Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. John the Baptist is called the forerunner. And in today's program, we're going to learn more about this forerunner. For when you see John, that means Jesus is not far behind. Our series is entitled, The Kingly Messiah, Understanding the Gospel of Matthew, Part 1, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. We're commencing Chapter 3 of the Gospel of Matthew, and here John the Baptist is introduced. And let me read to you from the passage of today, Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So this is where John the Baptist is introduced. He is actually related to Jesus, but we're not clear how much they knew each other, had they ever met. Bear in mind that John lived in Judea, probably in one of the regions of the hill country west of Jerusalem. His traditional uh, birthplace and residence is the Jerusalem suburb of Ain Karim, in the far west of the city. But that's tradition. The Bible doesn't actually say the name of his village. But anyway, John lives in Judea. Jesus lived in Nazareth. Nazareth was probably a four-day journey by foot, from Jerusalem. So it is possible that John and Jesus may have known each other, maybe they had met a few times, and there's a possibility they never did. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Obviously, it is not a crucial thing. But what we do know is that John is going to be the forerunner of Jesus. It's like a herald making an announcement of an important event or important person coming into the scene. In this case, the important person is the Messiah, son of David, son of God. So we have to learn more about John himself and his ministry. Now remember, what is his sermon content? His sermon content is repent, all of you, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now this word repent or repentance is one I like to hammer through again and again, because I know how important, how healthy, therapeutic, wonderful, cleansing initiatory it can be. I often say, and I believe it is completely correct, without repentance, there's no salvation. Without repentance, there's no revival. Repentance for salvation is for those who don't yet know God. And repentance for those that do is to help them come alive again in God. That's what the term revival actually means. There is a coming kingdom. And in order to be ready for the coming kingdom, We can't be going the way that we've been going because it's leading us in the wrong direction and to a horrifying destination. It's like a car or a runaway train heading down a road where the bridge that normally is there bridging the gap is now fallen. 
If you keep going on that pathway, thinking you're going to hit the bridge, you're going to go off the cliff and down to perdition or to destruction. It's certainly considered the right thing to do to warn people that the bridge is down. Why then is it not right to warn people that, hey, the king is coming. There is a new kingdom. Prepare for this kingdom. And we do that by turning away from our old ways and going all the way God's way. John was a fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, that's one thing you'll learn in the Gospel of Matthew. So many parts of Jesus's life and ministry are fulfillment of what was written centuries before by the Hebrew prophets who have an accuracy rate of 100%. John was a simple man in the sense of his attire. John had lots of followers. And think about it. Here's a guy preaching repentance, confession of sins, and so on. He doesn't do any miracles, but he's attracting people from all over the place, and they not only confess their sins to John, but they're willing to be baptized in the baptism of repentance. That, to me, friends, sounds like effective ministry. All right, let's read the entire passage of Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. Our lesson is called John the Baptist Introduced, and the reference once again is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. This is the word of the Lord. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and of a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea, and all the region round about Jordan, and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. The reading is from Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 to 6, and the lesson title is John the Baptist Introduced. Well, let's look at the background. In only two chapters, the Gospel of Matthew has covered a lot. It gives us information about the genealogy of Jesus, linking him to Abraham, David, and to the respective covenants that bear their names, Abrahamic covenant and Davidic covenant. He describes the circumstances involving the conception and birth of Jesus, the visit of the wise men, and the flight to Egypt when he was still young. This flight was to protect the young child. And now we fast forward over 25 years to an adult Jesus, around 30 years of age, and his encounter with his forerunner, known as John the Baptist. So now let's introduce John himself. Because as I say, when you see John, Jesus is not far behind. John was the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth, an elderly couple who were once childless, but now miraculously they were granted the birth of a son. Their story is told beautifully in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. And Luke a historian, spares no detail. He tells it deeply, richly. It's actually enthralling, the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and of course, the story leading to the birth of Jesus as well, the Annunciation of Mary. It's, it's told amazingly. Now, John was related to Jesus. They were cousins, and he was approximately six months older. However, the gospel seemed to imply that their acquaintance was limited 
almost as if they never met until the day of Christ's baptism, which may or may not be the case. But John was from the hill country of Judea. As I mentioned earlier, and Jesus is from Galilee, four-day journey. Then John moves from the western side of Judea, where it probably was well-watered and forested, to the eastern side of Judea, which is a wilderness. A wilderness very familiar to King David, because he fled from Saul. It's a wilderness that Jesus will become acquainted with, because after he meets John, he's going to meet the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. So that's where John chooses to do his ministry. He's not far away from the Qumran community that gave the world the Dead Sea Scrolls. And the way John lived and the way they lived, one wonders if they had contact one with another. Very ascetic, simple lifestyle. Getting away from the clutter and the corruption of the crowded streets of Jerusalem and of the ruling religious elite. So both of them are in that category. That's the Qumran community and Dead Sea Scrolls and John the Baptist ministering nearby at the Jordan River. Now, in addition to all this, John commences his preaching ministry. In that he has no hesitation confronting the Tetrarch of Galilee, Herod Antipas, because Herod Antipas had an incestuous relationship with Herodias. He married her, even though she was the wife of his brother Philip, and, if I understand Josephus correctly, Herodias may have also been the niece of both Herod Antipas and Herod Philip, which makes it doubly incestuous. For this confrontation, John was imprisoned by Herod, and by the instigation of Herodias, he was eventually beheaded. So what is the sermon content of John the Baptist? That's Matthew 3 and verse 2. John began to preach, and the word preach is means to herald or to proclaim a solemn and vital message from God. His sermon could be summarized in one word, repent, and it means to change one's mind and to change one's action for the better. There is a reason for repentance. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The implication, in order to be fit for the coming kingdom, then you have to repent. Because without it, there is no entryway. The implication to fit in the kingdom, that one that is blessed and has no end when we repent, and we need to confess and repent of our sins to be kingdom ready. That really is the message of John the Baptist in summary. Repent ye, that means repent all of you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What we don't realize is that John the Baptist is fulfilling prophecy. Matthew explains that that is exactly what's happening. He is a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3. In fact, that's a wonderful, wonderful passage. So wonderful, in fact, I want to read it to you. It says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is part, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Please note, Jerusalem has been punished, but now God is telling people to comfort her. There is the confrontation and the condemnation, and then there is the consolation and the comfort. That is often the twin themes of God's prophetic word. Confront the sin, 
but comfort the penitent after they repent. And then it says, Isaiah 43, which is quoted in Matthew chapter 3, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Well, friends, let me just end with this. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So who is the voice crying in the wilderness? That's John the Baptist, that prepare the Lord's way. He's the forerunner. The Lord is coming, namely Jesus. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The fact that John was in the wilderness of Judea rather than in the suburbs of Jerusalem or in the rolling green hills of Galilee tells us he was fulfilling prophecy. This is a wilderness prophecy. The valley shall be raised up, the mountains and hills shall be lowered, the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. Why? Because the Lord is coming, and his glory shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. That's the good, the bad, and the ugly, the righteous and the unrighteous. Why? How come everyone's going to see it? Because the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And just remember, the grass will wither, The flower fades. This represents the flesh and our fallen world. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Praise God for that. We learn then, of course, John had very simple attire. Matthew 3, verse 4, He wore a garment of camel's hair with a leather belt around his loins. His food was locusts and wild honey. Now, either we're talking about the insect locusts, or it could even suggest carapods, which resembled locusts. Carob pods or ground carob is known as a chocolate substitute. And some people have gone into carob because they felt chocolate is no good. But apparently, now that we learned that dark chocolate, especially high levels of dark chocolate or cocoa content, is very healthy. So here you have it. John's followers. Who was following John the Baptist? Now, he had a short-lived ministry. He would have been in his early 30s and died in his early 30s. Short-lived life, short-lived ministry, but he had a wide catchment area of people coming to hear his message. Judea, Jerusalem, and the areas around the Jordan River. And then we have, of course, the final verse here of our lesson. That's Matthew chapter 3, verse 6. It tells us, and were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. Who was baptized by him? People from Jerusalem, people from the region of Judea, people from around the Jordan River. They were baptized of him, confessing their sins. Those who came to hear the preaching of John the Baptist felt convicted of their sins. Now, this is not a guilt trip, friends. Don't confuse conviction with condemnation. There are two different things. Conviction is pointing the errors, so you can fix them that you may not face condemnation. Now, of course, to the immature and to the deceitful, they will blend the two. You're condemning me by telling me I'm doing the wrong thing. No, it's not condemning. It's bringing conviction so that you will not be condemned, provided, of course, that you confess and that you repent. It's as simple as that. That's how it works. And what I find so intriguing, as I said earlier, John didn't do any miracles. People came from far and wide to hear him preach, 
and then felt so convicted, what can we do? And in the Gospel of Luke, I think it is, where there is actual conversation. Soldiers are asking him this, and other parties are asking him that. What should we do to prove that we have the fruit of repentance? So I just feel that John must have been an incredibly powerful, anointed, and effective preacher to have that kind of response, and people coming from all over the place to hear him. Now, if John is getting that kind of response without any miracles, just imagine the response that Jesus is going to get once he starts his ministry in earnest, and he doesn't just have effective, authorized, anointed preaching, but the preaching is followed with signs following. Yes, miracles all over the place. No wonder Jesus was so wildly popular that it caused envy in the hearts of the religious elite, and that's part of the reason they sought to destroy him. Now, our lesson is called John the Baptist Introduced. Our lesson for life is confession and repentance leads us to the presence of the Lord and his glorious kingdom. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education and thank you for liking our page. You can also go to our homepage at tan.org.au to subscribe to the free monthly Issachar teaching e-letter. Our aim is to give you value-added communication so you can be future-ready with articles from the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you in Jesus that you're making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I thank you, Lord, for the ministry of John the Baptist. He was a wonderful forerunner. He did a great job bringing people to him, and therefore they would eventually be led to Jesus. We learn so much from your word, and what we learn help us to put into practice through Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.